time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. What you have just looked at takes place 300 feet underground, beneath the basement of a New York City skyscraper. It's owned and lived in by one Paul Radin. Mr. Radin is rich, eccentric, and single-minded. How rich we can already perceive, how eccentric and single-minded we shall see in a moment. Because all of you have just entered the Twilight Zone. Episode number 82 of the Twilight Zone was one more pallbearer. And uh, Sean, this guy knows how to hold a grudge like Sean Hammond. <laughs> I'm sorry, I started laughing. He likes to hold a grudge like who? Like Sean Hannity. <laughs> Which I, I don't know if I've ever told you my, my Sean Hannity story, but, uh, you know, since we're talking about a guy holding a grudge, it might be the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Huntsville, Alabama's own, I believe. Well, well yeah, that, that kind of has a lot to do with it, actually. Um, so Sean Hannity started at the station that I worked at uh, when I was in college. And so when he released his first book, he was doing like a book tour. Uh, and the first stop was Huntsville because that was the, the place where he got to start. And so uh, we did an event uh, with him because the owner of the station was the guy who had given uh, Sean Hannity a start. So I'm, I'm standing there with our production director and, and Sean Hannity. And this, this woman comes up to him and, and says, hey, Sean, do you remember me? And he says, Oh, yeah, I bet you wish you would have gone out with Sean Hannity now, don't you? <laughs> and then she kind of slinks away, and uh, he goes on to explain that uh, when he worked in Huntsville, he would have to go out on sales calls, and when he did, he would stop at the McDonald's, like two doors down from the radio station, and get breakfast, and he had a crush on the cashier and kept asking her out, and she kept saying no, and that was that was her. <laughs> and uh, so this is like, this is this is 10 years later, Oh, God. And uh, uh, actually, he met his his eventual wife. Now, now they just got uh, divorced, but he met his eventual wife in Huntsville. So really, this woman, uh, you know, rejecting him, freed him to go eventually find his, uh, his the the love of his life at the time. Yeah, exactly. So you think you think that would be like a nice meet cute story? Hey, I'm I'm so glad you broke my heart because I I didn't yeah. my wife. But no, no, uh, Sean Hannity holds a grudge. And he has to refer to himself in the, in, the, in the third person. Yeah, of course he does. Because bet, bet you wish you dated old Sean Hannity now, don't you? <laughs> yes. So uh, one more Paul Bear is actually one of my favorite. Ep- oh, yeah, yeah, I, I I'm comfortable saying it's one of my favorite episodes. It's definitely one that whenever they're publishing the the schedule for the the Twilight yeah. Zone marathon every year, it's one that I'm looking to see when that one's on. It's it, it it's it's near the top for me too. It's uh, it's a it's a crazy episode that kind of you know you you think it's over, but then there's a little bit more. And like you said, it is it's not unfunny that uh, the main character that he <laughs> they really do a great job of uh, painting the picture of how deep his grudge holding goes because it goes from high school teacher to like the army to then like later on in, in life. And it's like, man, it's that old saying, like, if you think everybody's a jerk, maybe you're the jerk. <laughs> yeah. You think at some point he, he would have gotten that message, but he didn't. Uh, so, so this is a millionaire, Paul Radin, I, I, I think is, is how you say yeah. it. Um, 
he uh, so so we start off. He's in you know what just kind of looks like a, a basement bomb sheltery sort of thing, and and uh, people are are working on it, and he's he's talking to them, and um, uh, so eventually it's completed, and he invites uh, three people to come. Uh, down and join him in said bomb shelter and he um he 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 is just sort of like emotionless when when they uh come in but uh so one of them is his high school teacher mrs langford um and uh the other one another one is uh, colonel hawthorne from his uh, his military career and then the um, the third one is a uh, is a reverend, and they don't they don't really say when that happened in his life, but I, right. I mean, yeah. it seems safe to assume that that was after the colonel. Yeah. Now, I had good and bad experiences with high school teachers. Sure. Um, I, as I'm sure everyone did. Uh, th- there's only a couple that I could even re- remember their names at this point. Yeah, and I only remember the good one. I mean, there's a couple. There's one or two that like I butted heads with that I remember just because they're crazy stories. But like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not hunting down Ms. Langsford like 20, 30 years later because <laughs> I got caught cheating on a test. Well, let's once again uh, play the Twilight Zone, uh, play the the Twilight Zone age game, and uh, <laughs> let's look up the uh, the. On, on the Google machine here, uh, how old the actor was. Oh, God, I hope they're the same age. I, I hope he's really old. I hope he's not like, you know, uh, you know, like he's probably not going to be in his 60s or anything, but. No. I, I, I'm hoping he's, um, I, I'm hoping for at least 50. Let's, uh, let's see what we got here. Joseph Wiseman, uh, his picture on IMDb, actually, he looks very friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's it's loading it's loading this is this is great compelling content right now <laughs> oh wait so it looks like he was fifth he was 15 years younger than than miss langford okay so i mean that that kind of make well no you know in the world of tv that's yeah. that's an acceptable age gap i think for teacher and student <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, so he was born in 1918. It's 1962. Uh, math was never my strong suit. So that's 44. Yeah, he's in his he's in his mid 40s at that point. Even, even that, you know, that, that's like like <clears throat> you know, neither of us are that old. <clears throat> and I think both of us would have a hard time holding a grudge against a high school teacher. Yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> so I mean that that's a. That, that's a, a fire that burns pretty uh, pretty bright there. Uh, anyway, he, he he was caught cheating on a test, which, by the way, it seems like he's at fault there. Again, like, you know, if you think everybody's a jerk, you're probably the jerk. <laughs> yeah, I, I've said that about uh, drivers, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's always an asshole driver. And if, yeah. you, if you can't spot them, chances are it's probably you. I, um... I have a pretty short fuse on the road, so I'm always spotting them. <laughs> like people going uh, the the actual speed limit in the left lane. Oh, it's just terrible. The nerve of some people. Yeah. Uh, go, going the actual speed limit. I mean, jeez. It's ridiculous. Um, so he was also court-martialed for disobeying orders, just like Captain Kirk. 
and uh, which and, and also kind of seems like his fault. They don't say that it was like, you know, he wasn't ordered to go like you know slaughter a tribe of younglings, like you know. So yeah. I assume, yeah, th- that this it, one it again was... seems like he's the bad guy in this. Yeah, and the uh, the third one involved some sort of a public scandal that involved uh, ultimately a woman uh, committing suicide. Yeah. Uh, again, seems like the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he tells them that uh, because he's so rich and important now, uh, he has learned ahead of time that uh, there's going to be a nuclear war in uh, j- just moments from now. And because he is such a wonderful guy and apparently has no one else in his life, uh, he's going to, to offer them the, the safety of his bomb shelter if they apologize for all their actions against him. <laughs> I have a, I, I get it. It's TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But do these four people just happen to live on the same street? Or was he like, okay, you guys come over at like two o'clock on Sunday? Oh no, I, I think there, were, there there was an invitation. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. That that, uh, <laughs> that that that's at least mentioned in some way in the episode that there was an invitation for you know. That, yeah, they they didn't all just happen to be there. Yeah, <laughs> I must have missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was probably an easy moment to uh, to uh, to to miss. Now uh, everybody. Uh, the teacher, the colonel, the baker, the candlestick maker—they all—they all say no. Um, they, they'd actually rather be with their loved ones and and die with them as opposed to spending their time with with him. Which, by the way, you can't help but feel a little rejected if somebody says that. Yeah. <laughs> one can only be led to believe that they are not a loved one. Right. Um, Probably because he cheated on that test. Probably, and uh, uh, Miss uh, Miss Langford, the the teacher, gives him a re- reads him the riot act. Uh, yes, yeah. he says that you didn't know right and wrong back then, and you still don't. Uh, which he which he surprisingly argues, which <laughs> which, which I know you know. Sort of getting back to the driver analogy, that um, no one believes they're the bad guy in their own in their own story. No. Uh, no matter no matter who has wronged you in in your life, they they think they were right, and, and I get that. But at, at some point, you, you gotta let it go. Um, especially if it's you know, especially if you've become a millionaire, if you become rich and successful, and you have your own under, you have your own bomb shelter in the '60s. I know that they were probably more prevalent, but like if you're single and you have your own bomb shelter, I mean, you're doing fine. So you know what, yeah. just. No harm, no foul. Everything worked out great for me. You guys live your life. I'm not going to fake a, a nuclear apocalypse. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> first a lot of, all, of work, Keith. Can, can, can we can we talk about the fact that a he held a grudge for so long against these people? So long, and like he 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 spent a considerable amount of time and, and effort and money just coming up with this this scheme. Like if he is if if the uh, char- character is forty four like the actor is in this episode, then he held that grudge against his high school teacher for unless he got held back for at least twenty six years, yeah, maybe even to thirty years. <laughs> I you know let's adopt a rule that uh, it's not worth holding a grudge longer than you were alive. 
at, at the time. <laughs> so, like in this That's case, let's say, yeah, let, let's say that he uh, was a senior in high school when this happened. Um, he, you should not even think about holding a grudge longer than eighteen years. No. At that point, you've you've lived with it longer than you lived before. Just forget <laughs> about it. Just move on with life. And I mean, he probably went straight into the army after high school. Probably. I mean, he probably he he probably didn't bring the judge along with him for for this thing. But I have a feeling that he he was on trial for something, and the judge sent him into the army because ooh maybe I yeah. I, I don't see him being a joiner. Like, yeah, I, that would make sense. That makes I, sense. I don't see him, you know, like I, I realized there was a draft then. So, you know, even from that perspective, things would have been uh, different. I, I don't see him volunteering to join the military. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he, uh, he, he, he won the draft lottery. If he was in World War II, I'll bet, I'll bet that wasn't the only thing that he did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll bet he was like paying people to like stand in front of him on Normandy. <laughs> I, you know, like, like I, it would be interesting to, to get a look at this guy's file and see what he actually did. Just sneaking wads of cold, hard cash through basic training and <laughs> going up, up to crossing the Atlantic. Yeah. Just, just finding the, the biggest guy and saying, you're, you know what? I, I want you to stand in front of me. <laughs> you look, you look like you have stopping power. <laughs> no, you go first. <laughs> Uh, so basically, the uh, the teacher, Miss Langford, is the only one who actually reacts uh, in depth to his yeah. uh, his proposal. I, everybody else just sort of follows her lead. I, yeah. and, and really, she um, you know she she says it all. I'm not sure, sure anything else needs to be said about that. But uh, at at any rate, they all decide uh, we'd rather die a fiery death with somebody we love than spend one more second with you. And uh, and so they all leave, and then uh, you know the, uh, the the his his fake doomsday plays, even though he's the only one there to hear it. <laughs> and then uh, uh, you know the the building actually uh, actually kind of kind of shakes a little bit, and then he goes up and, and finds out that the world has been destroyed, and uh, and uh, you know. Uh, He's, he sees that the world has been destroyed, but everybody else is looking at him like he's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> when this first happened, I think the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if him him and Burgess Meredith are in the uh, uh, the same wasteland. Maybe they can get up and have like a buddy cop comedy. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, everybody's looking at him like he's completely insane. And he's just like, you know, he sees devastation and you know there's a police officer or you know if we learned anything from last week maybe the grim reaper trying to like oh, it cons- could be. <laughs> trying to like console him like uh while he's at the at that fountain yeah uh that, that's a good uh good point about the the twilight zone cinematic universe <laughs> uh you know i i guess that, that wouldn't actually be the case because uh in burgess meredith's case uh, there actually was a nuclear war. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and in uh, in, uh, in this guy's case, it, it's a completely imagined nuclear war. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, the the moral of the story is get over let yourself. that stuff go. <laughs> Just get over it, man. I I I I don't know. 
I, I don't know what other message you could take from that episode. No. Other than if you uh, look around your yourself and, and it, it looks like there's been a nuclear war, uh, it, it's possible there hasn't. So look on the bright side. Maybe it's just a hallucination. Just get a second opinion. Mr. Paul Radin, a dealer in fantasy, who sits in the rubble of his own making and imagines that he's the last man on earth, doomed to a perdition of unutterable loneliness because a practical joke has turned into a nightmare. Mr. Paul Radin, pallbearer at a funeral that he manufactured himself in the Twilight Zone. Gabatron 